Welcome to SHIFT, a college admissions, ACT, and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can get a free trial of that course by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, use the code podcast to save 10% at checkout. Um, so let's get started. Today we have Dave Lynch from Study Lark on the line with us. And Dave, if you could just give a quick intro for people who haven't heard you before, uh, that would be great. Thanks, uh, and thank you for having me on. Uh, it's nice to be back. Um, my <laughs> name is Dave Lynch. My company is called Study Lark Test Prep, and uh, I'm based in the Philadelphia area. I provide uh, one-on-one tutoring for the LSAT, the SAT, and the ACT, and I've been working uh, providing you know, tutoring and test prep for about 20 years. Uh, and in addition to providing tutoring, I also write books and, and publish things um, that people can uh, check out in case they uh, want some additional resources for the LSAT or the SAT. Great. Fantastic. Well, and so today we're going to be talking about that SAT. Um, and specifically with this one, I think that the, the cool thing about what we're talking about today is kind of the patterns of of the questions, right? Um, specifically on the SAT verbal, the the important thing to remember when you're taking this test, or sort of what I like to say anyway, is that you're not taking like a, a test in school where they're just trying to make sure you know what you're doing. Like you're taking a test that's specifically trying to kind of hood, like not trick you, but definitely kind of head fake you and trying to test your problem solving ability in addition to your ability to like actually do the problem itself. Um, and so that's where this whole sort of pattern recognition and trying to figure out what are they actually trying to ask me to do is really important. Yeah, that's right. Um, like for many questions, there, there could be several ways of thinking about it or approaching it, but some of those ways might be many steps and time consuming and prone to error. Whereas sometimes if you just look at the question from a certain angle, uh, the answer falls out, um, without too much trouble. And so uh, a big part of what I'm, I'm always asking my students to do is to, uh, before diving right in and, and doing a lot of work to actually um, look for this, aim for this step of recognition where what is the actual topic that they're asking about? What is the rule that they're asking about? Um, and then do I remember that rule or could I preload the information that I need into my head first before I like dive in um, and, uh, and <laughs> just start grinding through? Um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk to me then about, um, for the SAT verbal kind of how do you how do you advise students attack this? Yeah, sure. So um, a lot of times there's patterns that you can recognize in the way that the answer choices are written or in the way that the question is written that can like basically give you a clue or alert you to a certain thing to think about. So one of the things that I always um, kind of talk about early with people is um, there's questions that ask you about verb form. And so you're going to look at the choices and you see a bunch of verbs, but they really come in two flavors. One is one that they're testing you about subject verb agreement. And then the other is one where they're testing you about verb tense. 
And depending on which one it is, you actually have a pretty different job to do. So if they're talking about subject verb agreement, your job is to go find the subject and see if it's singular or plural. But if you're being asked about verb tense, your job is to look at the story around it and the, and the surrounding sentences and the surrounding verbs. So you don't want to be doing one of those things when your job is actually to, to be doing the other. And so there's a pretty cool thing that you can notice, which is that if in, if in that list of verbs in the, answer choices. If you see two verbs that are the same verb and they're both in the same tense, but one of them is singular and one of them is plural, then it's just about guaranteed that the question is asking you about subject verb agreement. So for example, if I see choice A says open and choice B says opens, then I know for sure that I should just go look for the subject. Or if I see is and are, or have and has, or um, was and were, or do and does, um, then I know that I should go look for the subject. And I don't really care about the, the, the verb tense. Uh, I, I more care about getting rid of prepositional phrases and, and things like that. On the other hand, if I don't see that, where if every verb in the set of choices is a different tense, then I'm like, who cares about the subject? <laughs> it's not relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, instead, I'm going to look at the, the things around um, and uh, the logic of the story. Uh, and um, that way I can pay attention to what actually matters um, just based on a little clue that I can notice from the answer choices uh, and the way that they're written. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's actually um, that. I mean, I think that's a, like a really good tip and tactic for this. And do you, do you have anything that you want to say to dig in on it? Or do you want to like maybe even give an example or two? Like you already kind of gave a little bit of an example. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess uh that's kind of the rule that I look for. And I, I have a list of some other ones that I can tell you, but maybe one other thing yeah, is yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that like, if you see the, the, the doer does or open or opens or uh, you know, uh, walk or walks, um, mm -hmm. then, uh, then I guess maybe one other thing, and this is a little advanced, but like if, if it is that singular plural thing, typically what you'll see is three of the choices are, one and the other choice is the other. So you have, might have three plural and one singular or three singular and one plural. And almost certainly it's going to be the odd one out. But often I don't share that with people because people are kind of rotten at deciding whether the word opens is singular or plural because <laughs> they see the yeah. S on the end of it and they're like, oh, there's an S on the end. So it's plural. And the thing that drives people crazy about verbs is that it's actually the opposite of how nouns work. Uh, so I usually say, don't worry about that. Instead, just go find the subject and put that right next to the verb and your ear will tell you the right way to go. Um, right. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, you, even if you have like a good rule, like, Oh, if there's, you know, four answers and three of them are plural and one is singular, mm -hmm. it's most likely the singular one. You still need to solve the you problem. You still have like, to check. Yeah. Right. Like there's no, there's no, uh, there, we're not, we're not offering, you know, a guarantee on, on what we share on the podcast. Right, we right. can't call us up and be like, it didn't work. This right. Time. And it, that's a test taking, <laughs> I don't know if you want to call it a rule, but it's certainly not a grammar rule. It's more of like, this is a pattern in what, in how we've noticed that they write the questions, but they're always right. free to write a new question that breaks that pattern. So you do have to use yes. your brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Well, great. So, I mean, that, I, I loved that first one. It mm -hmm. sounds like you've got a list here. Okay, so another one, sure, yeah, another one that I think is um, pretty well known is if you see a pattern in the choices where 
some of the choices are much longer than the other choices. Um, that alerts me to look for repetitiveness, redundancy. Uh, it's not guaranteed that that's going to be the issue that they're testing, but if I see that pattern, I'm like, that's the first thing that I want to think about. If I got some very long choices and a much shorter choice, then I'm going to say, huh, I wonder if these very long choices have repetitive language. If so, I'm basically picking the short choice. Um, right. And we got to be careful because again, like I'm not saying that uh, shorter answers are always right, but um, it's more like saying, if you see the pattern of some very long ones and a very short one, step one is to check for red repetitiveness or redundancy, because most likely that's the issue that's being tested. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good one. And then maybe one that's a little less well-known, uh, but still has to do with the length of the choices is um, if you see four choices that are pretty much all the same length and they have, especially if they're kind of longer choices, and if they have pretty much the same ideas and pretty much the same words and phrases, but the order of those words and phrases is scrambled up, then that alerts me that they're almost certainly testing an introductory modifier. Uh, and so... Mm. Um, so your job as a student is to actually go check the beginning part of the sentence um, and see what it's talking about or what is it an introductory phrase that's describing something. Then your job is to make sure that that's the first part of the of the uh, of the underlined portion. And a lot of times people waste a lot of time on these questions because they're like scrutinizing the underlined part where the order of the ideas is all scrambled up. And the answer or the piece of information that you need to answer the question actually isn't in that underlined part. It's, it's actually at the beginning of the sentence that's not underlined, but people are so focused on like <laughs> the scrambled up order that, um, right. that they're, they're basically like not giving themselves, um, the sort of, uh, basis upon which to evaluate the, the choices. Um, so, yeah. So I'm actually curious about this one. So how would you solve that kind of problem? I mean, it's been a minute since I've taken. Yeah, SAT. sure. Yeah. And I'm just, I mean, so you've got like an intro that doesn't change and then you have a bunch of, you know, like a list that comes after the intro right. and it does change. Yep. Like, what are you looking for there? Well, I'm, I'm pr pretty much looking at like the very first couple of words in the introduction and saying, what is it talking about? So for example, mm -hmm. like using cues from the earth's magnetic field comma, and then I'm like, okay, whatever is after the comma has to be whatever is using the cues from the earth's magnetic field. So like if I had some right. choice, if I had a choice that said, uh, summer is the time when turtles return to their birthplace. That's not right. Cause summer is not using the cues or like mm -hmm. the birthplace is where all the turtles go. Like that's not right either. But if I have another choice that says the turtles return to their birthplace in the summer, that's going to be correct because the turtles is the first part of that choice. And they're the ones who are right. using the cues. Yeah. So it's it's basically like, what is it related to? Yeah. What is it relating yeah. to? What is it talking about? What is it modifying? <laughs> Great. All right. Thanks for the extra explanation. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Great. Yeah. And any other any other things on your on your list here? This has already been a bunch of great tactics. Yeah. Uh. If if you want to switch gears and talk about the reading a little bit, so um. Yes. One yeah. thing that um. I like to notice is the wording that they use when they ask you about some detail from the reading. And, uh, I, in my mind, um, there's kind of like two categories of wording that they could use if they ask you to retrieve some detail. Uh, one of those categories is, um, indicative that the answer is going to be like really directly stated. So if they're like, mm -hmm. according to the passage or the passage indicates, or sometimes they even say the the passage states, 
that kind of language tells me whenever I find the evidence, it it's going to be like really straight up, literally said. Um, and so I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to pick a choice until I can find that line where they like straight up said it. Right. On the other hand, they could use a different kind of language, which would be, um, it can be most reasonably inferred, or uh, this per- the author would most likely agree, or the passage most strongly suggests. Uh, to me, that kind of language indicates that it's not going to be so directly stated, and I'm expecting that I would have to um, probably take a little bit of information, maybe several pieces of information in the passage, and then put it together with some reasoning on my own part uh, to come up with the answer. So um, I, that kind of like tells me that like if I'm having to do some storytelling or do, do some logic, um, that's okay because the way that they've written the question that indicates to me that that's the appropriate thing to be doing uh, for a question like that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious, like, um, I mean, do you feel like there's maybe a good sort of, you already kind of gave an example, but do you feel like there's like a good kind of like obvious example for what you do when you do kind of identify one of these two types? Yeah, I mean, um, I, like if it's if it's the first variety where they the, the passage states or you know um, according to the author, um, then mm-hmm. even if it's not one of those questions that comes with a follow up where they say where's your evidence, I'm treating it like one of those questions where I'm like, all right, right. I'm getting ready to pick C, but I can't actually allow myself to pick C until I've found the line where they said it, and it should be like crystal clear <laughs> once once you find the line you're like oh yeah like maybe they paraphrased and used a, a synonym or something like that but like they said it it's right here uh and so i can feel good mm-hmm. about this choice and and i won't allow myself to pick it until i uh have actually found that line um so and, and if i haven't found that line then i'm like i guess i must not have found the answer yet or maybe this choice that i'm considering is actually the wrong answer and so i need to right. keep working on this question Right. Yeah. I mean, it is helpful that they're kind of telling you it's in the text. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's kind of an interpretation yeah. thing. Yeah. They can, they can help you <laughs> by telling you that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Anything else on the reading section? Any more? Um, general, uh, yeah. One other thing is um, that I, when they ask you what the purpose of something is, like what's the purpose of this paragraph or the author mentioned this thing in order to blank, uh, then I think to myself that they're giving me um, a clue that this is a, a question that's very well suited to making a predicted answer ahead of time. Because like, if they're asking you why is something there, in theory, even if there were no choices, you should be able to say why it's there or what it's accomplishing within the context of the passage. And so right. – yeah, so not not every question is well suited to coming up with a prediction, but for the ones that are, uh, it's so helpful to do that, and they can basically give you um, a pretty good clue or, or a good red flag in the in the way that the question is written um, that tells you, hey, this is a good one for figuring out the answer on your own before you go look at the choices. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I mean that also 
will usually help making picking the answer pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> at that point. If you know what you're looking for, then, you know, it's like shopping with a list as opposed to shopping without a list. Yeah. If you're, right. yeah. If you're shopping without a list, you're like, I don't know. Do I need this? Do I need that? Uh, but if you're like, no, I need milk. And so I'm just going straight to the milk. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot uh, faster. It's a lot faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and time is of the essence on these tests for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. Yeah. Any other, uh, reading, reading tips here um i didn't write any other ones down for the reading although um or just other verbal ones yeah maybe i'll I'll mention one last one uh for the writing and and that is um again we're sort of talking about like test writing patterns as opposed to actual grammar patterns but um Mm -hmm. if there's a question that is testing transition words like however and therefore and consequently and nevertheless and things like that if you see the pattern of three of those transition words but also a choice that offers you the option to delete the transition word or simply not use a transition word um i found just because of the way they write this test that that delete option is going to be the right answer like 95 to 99 percent of the time uh so very strongly consider (laughs) the delete option uh yeah it, it, yeah, yeah, unless they listen to this podcast and like, oh, we gotta change it. Right. But, you know, they probably <laughs> you, that might that'll, that'll take a while. Yeah, yeah. I think the ACT caught on actually because the on the SAT that 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 rule like really is very reliable. On the ACT, I've seen a couple of options where they um where <laughs> they're trying to specifically break the rule. Sure, trying to break the rule. Yeah, um, and I, I do want to like um, put in one caveat there. They the three other choices really have to be what you call conjunctive adverbs or transition words. They can't be conjunctions. So if I saw a however and an although, those are very different from each other because although can be used to connect clauses, whereas however mm. can't. And so if I see real conjunctions on the list, then forget about the, the delete option and forget about um, like the relationship between the ideas. Now I'm looking at subjects and verbs and joining clauses and things like that. But again, that's kind of rare. Most of the time it, it really is just like three transition words and delete. And I'm thinking almost certainly it's going to be delete. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. These are all great uh, hacks for, for these <laughs> problems. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up this episode, the only thing I would say is that hacks are great and just like, don't let them be a crutch either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't, don't, tr- you know, tr- trust them the way that you trust like a shortcut in a video game, which is like, you know, let's, I'm just thinking of like those old racing games that Dave and Buster's where you, you're, <laughs> you're, you got the steering wheel and like, you know, yeah, there's a shortcut there and like it'll work most of the time, but you can't, you, you can't just kind of phone it in and, and expect the shortcut to do right. work for you right, right? like yeah. you've got to you've got to actually make sure that you um are are you know getting the right answer and the shortcut can Agree. help you yeah. do it faster yeah. but you've still got to think critically on your own yep yep i totally agree the ultimate sort of um arbiter is the actual grammar rule itself and not some sort of test taking pattern that we've noticed um but i i like to they let my change, students know about yeah. these yeah, right. Um, uh, just because it, it can sometimes help them focus their energy, right? They're at least thinking about right. uh, the the right um, the right sort of rule or consideration, well, the right way to and, attack it, yeah. right? And that and that yeah. is really at the heart of a lot of these these tips is like 
it it's just telling you what to focus on, mm-hmm. which is half the battle, right? For a lot of these right. questions, you're like you. It's like okay, there's like three sentences and they're all really long and they just switch the order around right. of what what of the turtles and the magnetic pole. Like who cares? Like it's like the stuff like that where you gotta you gotta think like mm-hmm. the test maker about you know okay mm-hmm. how are they trying to get me right now and then you know how do i attack the problem that is in front of me yep yeah totally agree yeah well thanks so much this has been shift the college admissions podcast for a changing world hosted by tyler from achievable with dave lynch from study lark and achievable has a great act course that you can get a free trial of by going to achievable.me And if you like it, use the code podcast to save 10% off at checkout.